And good evening, Elmhurst, Joe J Sports Radio on WRC 88.7. I'm Dawson Wells here with my co-host Sean Conniff. And again, we are watching Thursday Night Football here between the Buffalo Bills and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Buffalo Bills right now up 10-0. Josh Allen just got a touchdown. Uh, pass, running touchdown, I, I apologize. Uh, so they're doing pretty good. Yeah, I mean... Recently, they just obviously they just scored it, but they're in the second quarter right now, and I think it's that first quarter was very lackluster. Some questionable play calling on both sides of the ball, in both teams in general. It's I'm very surprised. I would have thought Buffalo would have bounced back from last week, especially with the loss against New England. But it, right now, it doesn't look like they've really truly bounced back. I think this this is a a must win for Buffalo against a, a team that I think or against uh, Buc the Buccaneers that I think could be a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, it was a very shock loss to the Patriots last week. Um, kind of lost in the last drive, really, to yeah. to Mike Kosicki and his, his funny little gritty. Yeah. Um, Mac Jones, they made Mac Jones look pretty good. Yeah, Mac Jones looked pretty good last week. I mean, he kind of walked the, field, or walked the ball down the field and kind of gave that ball to Mike Kosicki, and we saw that gritty. We saw it. I mean, but... Best gritty in the game for sure. Okay, let's. We could do. Uh, we could do uh, celebrations later in the show. Maybe. Oh, maybe. 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 Maybe we'll get to it. Um, Tampa Bay, however, coming off two game losing streak right now, lost to the Falcons sixteen to thirteen last week, and the week before lost to the Lions twenty to six. They started the season off pretty good and kind of fallen off here. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the last two the two game losing streak it, it stinks, but. They are two and zero. Like, went on like went away. So I think that this they have a good odds of winning. I mean, because it's been lackluster so far. I, I don't want to count the Buccaneers out of this game yet. I think the Buccaneers like they just got the ball down to Godwin, like maybe a twenty yard reception. So they can push the ball and push the pace a little bit. And I think they they have a chance to win this game. Yeah, I mean Baker's really showing out this year a little bit. He's kind of. Finally looked like he's back in college, kind of doing ever what whatever he wants to move the ball, and it's worked. He's looked he hasn't looked this good since maybe his first couple of years in the league. Yeah, he looks comfortable. I mean, kind of like you going back, like when towards the end of his tenure with the or Browns, excuse me, he looked very stiff and didn't really look comfortable and didn't trust his play calling. And when he went to Los Angeles, he didn't look he looked better there, but he still didn't look like him himself and now I think he's found an organization where he he fits and I think I think he could stay with the Buccaneers for a few more years yeah I agree uh we got a lot of stuff to cover over here tonight uh stay tuned for episode two of the Blue Jay Minute we're gonna do a little bit of World Series preview uh World Series starting tomorrow yeah um kind of exciting we'll get into it a little bit later but kind of an exciting World Series in my opinion uh, a little bit of Bulls and Blackhawks coming up, and yep. we're going to preview NFL Week 8 as well. Yes. Um, so let's just get straight into it with the uh, the Blackhawks. Let's do Bulls first. Let's, let's do, do Bulls, Bulls first. Um, Bulls played their their first game last night. Was a loss. Shocking loss. I don't think it's a shocking loss, honestly. I, I didn't – I wouldn't have thought it would be this bad. 
I would have thought, okay, if they lost by a point or two, then that's fine. But to lose by 20, it was a 124 Oklahoma to 104 Chicago Bulls. Like, a 20-point deficit is crazy. Like, a defeat is – if you lose by that much, you're terrible. I told you, I think last week or the week before, OKC is kind of a kind of a scary team. They're very young, and they're very good. Chet Holmgren, I mean, he did get kind of done by – Andre Drummond last night got his ankles ankles he snatched. The he touched the earth. Got his ankles snatched, but other than that, I mean, OKC really dominated. Yeah, I mean, the Bulls or OKC beat the Bulls in every team stat scoring wise. I mean, the Bulls had forty one and a half percent from the field versus the fifty five percent from the Thunder, and twenty eight point six percent from the Bulls from the three, and forty eight points percent from the Thunder, and. Just again in the free throw line, seventy-seven percent from the Bulls and eighty-three percent from the Thunder. Like the Bulls just couldn't get it going. I mean, a prime example was Zach Levine. Zach Levine looked rough last night. He, if you just look at his stat stat line, he had sixteen points, which isn't horrible for him, but not his normal points that he scores per game. He was four for sixteen from the field, and he was two for nine from the three-point line. That's not like him, and it was sad to see. Yeah, this team in general just could not shoot the ball last night. No. I mean, like you said, 41.5 shooting percentage. That's that's not great. That's not going to win you. That's not going to win you games. If a, if a player puts up 40% from the field, that's pretty good. But for a team, that is horrible. That, that, like, you need to have a higher percentage. Like what Oklahoma did with 55%, that's where you need to be. And to be 15% lower than that, that's that's sad. That's sad. Yeah, some of the Bulls' stats. Uh, DeRozan led the team in scoring with 20. Uh, had He also had five rebounds, two assists. Uh, Vooch led the team in rebounds with nine. And a bunch of other players had four assists. Uh, Patrick Williams, uh, Vooch had four assists. Kobe White had four assists. Um, what did you think about Kobe White in the starting lineup last night? I liked it actually. I really, I think he's kind of grown into that position where, if he needs to make the right pass, like he will. Like it looks like he's matured a lot. Like rookie year, Kobe, he was kind of all over the board. He would take stupid shots, and I think now he's kind of molded into the guy that he he's gonna do the right thing. I I, I think he still has a lot of improvement to go, but I think seeing him last night, I'm not mad that he's in the starting lineup. It, I actually kind of liked it, but. He did shoot four for 14 that, with this is 15 tr- points. This is true, but just the way he moved the ball in general, I think I, I like seeing it. I think there's a lot more improvement to get from that position, whether it's Kobe White or Javon Carter or even um, Io DeSumo. Like, we need to grow in that position, and being the first game, I'm not mad what I saw with the point guard position. Yeah, speaking of Io, only got nine minutes last night, scored eight points on three for five shooting. Uh, also had a, an assist and a steal. I'm kind of, I'm kind of shocked he didn't get that many minutes. Only nine. Yeah, I mean, especially last year, he kind of was a main piece towards the end of the season, and for him to only get limited to nine minutes, it is shocking. I know they brought in Carter, but just for one of your young, your, your young bucks in a sense, like to really not be playing him, like he got an extension. Why wouldn't you? play him like you brought him back to be a part of your organization a part of your scheme but uh, yeah hopefully they can get him more involved and 
games down the line, but I don't know. I that that's that position is a question mark in my mind. Is what can they do with this and where can they go? Yeah, I thought I thought that was interesting. Uh especially him only getting he got eight points and he was shooting the ball and was making it. He was one of your guys actually making buckets. Yeah, and he, they didn't play him. Yeah, I mean when he was on the court, he looked good. I but I think right now I think Billy Donovan's trying to figure out kind of the game plan with this team. I mean, there was reports that after the game was over, the players were in the locker room and Billy Donovan said himself, he walked in and the players basically said, can you give us some space right now? And they had their own players meeting after the game. We don't know what it was talked about. We kind of assume it was get your head in the game. Like, what was this crap? But obviously that's all assumptions. But Billy Donovan respected the space and let the players talk. Yeah, that's not good that that's already happening. Yeah, first it's game of the, the year. It's the first game, and we're already having a players-only meeting. That spells trouble. Especially after the game. It's not like a, during practice we need to talk. No, like instantly after the game. So you know they were heated, whether it was Zach, DeMar, Vooch, any of the veterans, or any of the young guys. Like They just wanted to vocalize their their opinions. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting year for sure. I I don't know. I don't expect a lot from this Chicago Bulls team. Uh, they just they don't seem like they can. I mean, I don't think they're gonna figure it out this no. year. They had a ton of problems last year. One shooting the ball. We've already seen that's clearly not solved. I get it as game one, but it's not. They didn't solve it for game one against a team that you should be able to put up points against. You didn't. You only got a hundred and four. Like yeah, it's good that you got into the triple digits, but. You should be putting up what OKC put up against us. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It's it's embarrassing, and I hope Billy Donovan can figure out a better game plan. But right now, I mean, there was reports out today that Demar Derozan's contract extension, because this is his last year of his deal, and if they're not even talking, there, there's no conversation going on right now. That so doesn't, that doesn't shock me. It doesn't shock me either, and I wouldn't be surprised if. If the Bulls don't make the playoffs, you say goodbye to DeMar. DeMar's gone. He's going to go find a, a, a team that's going to get him a chip. Yeah. For sure. Like, if you want to keep him, you got to make the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah. I No, I agree. I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting trade deadline for the Bulls, for sure. I feel like they're going to trade a lot of pieces, especially if they keep losing the way they did. I feel like they're going to trade a lot of pieces. Um, let's move on to the OKC Thunder. Let's talk about them for a little bit. Uh, SGA, 31 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds. Very good first game for him. Uh, Chet Holmgren in his debut, 11 points, 3 assists, 4 rebounds. Decent debut. Like we said earlier, did get crossed up by Andre Drummond. And he got dunked on by Vooch. This is true. He He had two welcome to the NBA moments in the same game, so... I mean, he was asked about those moments post-game, and he was kind of like, it's whatever. Like, ask me farther down the line if but like, if he's going to remember it. But I don't know. But he, he looked pretty good otherwise. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. This is technically his second year in the NBA, but first NBA game. So I'm sure he'll get better and better as he goes along. Shot two for three from three, so was taking good shots. Unlike the Bulls, I mean... Yeah, I mean, out of the players we just... SGA, like, could he finish as a top 
10 player in the NBA. And then with Chet, because he didn't play last year, could he win the Rookie of the Year? These are, I think, legitimate questions that fans could be discussing at this moment and maybe even farther down the line when it comes to, like, midseason, you know? Well, I was saying that last week. SGA, he's top 15 player in the NBA. Yeah. I think he can – if he keeps playing – Playing like he did against the Bulls, I mean, no question he can get top ten. I mean, last year he was he was nominated as the first or his first All Star game, so I think if if he's able, yeah, like you said, if he's able to keep going like down this road with thirty one points, and like obviously he's not going to do thirty one a game, but if he's able to put up double digit in points and a double digits in assists, for sure, I think he can he could make a good push for that argument of being a top ten player in the NBA for sure. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, let's preview the next week here for the Bulls. Um, they got four games coming up before our next show next Thursday. Uh, we'll review these games as well next week, talk a little bit more about them. Um, tomorrow, uh, Bulls going against Toronto. Uh, Toronto won against the Timberwolves 97-94 in their season opener. Uh, four main shoot scores, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, and Dennis Schroeder. I mean, those aren't – OG Ananomi and Siakam have been in the league for a while. Scotty Barnes, kind of a younger guy, and Schroeder. But, I mean, this is a team I think is going to tank, isn't going to be that competitive in the league this year. You need to lock them down. This is a game the Bulls should win. Yeah, I totally agree. And, I mean, the the best score for the Raptors against Timberwolves was Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder led the team in points with 22 points. Like, it was it was pretty weird to see Dennis Schroeder control the game like he did. He was he's bounced around the league a while. I mean, he was with Atlanta for a little bit, went to LA, and he didn't accept that weird big contract extension because he took a bet on himself. And he's been all around the NBA. So seeing him put up numbers like 22 points, seven assists, and uh, three rebounds, that was. It was pleasant to see for Schroeder because he's a good player. He's a good guy. But, yeah, like you mentioned, we need to lock them down because if they're the only four main scorers on their team, I think we can. I think you can come up with a game plan to accomplish that goal in locking them down. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, we'll see. Obviously, it's still early in the season, so a lot could happen. But, I mean, need to lock them down. Uh, Saturday, Bulls are at Detroit. Lost to the Heat. Uh, East champions from last year, yep. 103 to 102. Cade Cunningham, uh, he's the real star on the Pistons team. Scored 30 points, nine assists, three rebounds in the game. He's their main star, their main scorer, basically their main playmaker. He is the key slowing down to beat this team. That stat line looks very similar to SGA, and we are just putting SGA as a top 15, top 10 player in the NBA right now. So, and Cade, he came out of the draft, I think, last year or two years ago. So this is incredible to see him putting up these numbers for being such a young player in the NBA, and especially against the Heat, who were in the finals last year. You know, it's it's crazy to see. And But there are there are there there were some negatives that came out of that game for Cade. He had three turnovers and he had five personal fouls. So, I mean, if you can pressure him, he will be. He's bound to make a mistake. So he's bound to make more turnovers. He's bound to make some stupid fouls. Like, if I think if you can really, like, again, we said with Toronto, if you can lock him down and really, like, put pressure on him, I think you have a shot. 
But if you can't, I I I think it would be a loss for the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a game they should win as well against a Detroit Pistons team who was one of the worst teams in the NBA last year, especially in the East. It's a game we need to win. It's a game you need to win. Speaking of kind of, this is Indianapolis Pacers. I think they're an interesting team. Uh they beat the Wizards 143 to 120. Uh huge huge game. win. A lot of a lot of point scorers. Uh Bruce Brown led the team in points with 24. He had an assist and three rebounds. Tyrese Halliburton, 20 points, 11 rebounds, three 11 assists, three rebounds. I think he's their main he's their main player that you got to watch out for, but I mean, this team this team's pretty good. So they I mean, put up a lot of points. So Yeah, I it's it's good to see like just in a basketball fan in general like seeing that a team's able to distribute the ball that well and actually have players coming off the bench and putting up double digits. I mean, heck, Andrew Nebelhard scored a double-double off the bench. 12 points and 10 assists. That's incredible for a player that only played 22 minutes. Incredible. So that's going to be, I think, a challenge for the Bulls next week. Or, uh, yeah, just next week. And I I think I'm scared. I'm honestly scared for this matchup because I'm worried that we already got embarrassed from the Thunder. I'm worried we're going to get even more embarrassed from the Pacers. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, Like I said, I think it's a game you should be able to win, but we'll see. We'll see how this Bulls team can, if they can actually shoot. That's, I mean, that's what it's really going to come down to is yeah. if we can actually shoot the rock. So uh, fourth game this week before our next show, kind of a very a tough game. Uh, it's at Dallas. Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving combined for 55 points. I mean, this is Kyrie didn't really perform well last year for Dallas. Kind of turned the story around this year starting off. I, I mean, we all know what Kyrie's capable of. I mean, he's obviously had his issues within the news and politically and all that. But we'll, we'll, we're not going to go there tonight. But... In general, like Kyrie, 22 points, 6 assists, 2 rebounds for 36 minutes. I, that's not bad. That's really not bad, especially like when you think about it, he's that second guy. He he needed that other player. Like what we saw with him in Cleveland with LeBron, he was the number two guy, and he was shined. And I think Luka, obviously, we, he's the no question the number one guy in Dallas. So Kyrie's able to get less pressure and do what he wants to do. And I, I think he it really showed tonight or last, last night. Yeah. I mean, Luca 33 point triple double, the star of the season had 10 assists, 13 rebounds. I mean, honestly, he's very a potential MVP candidate. He for this should year. win MVP. I mean, he's going to win one eventually for sure. I would be shocked if he didn't. I mean, and also Dallas is, was shown that they are going to make that investment to build around them, like you, they wouldn't have traded for Kyrie Irving if they didn't believe in Luca. Yes, they got rid of Porzingis, and but honestly, I think Kyrie's probably a better fit for Luca, just because I think just the play styles are a little bit different. It just works. I think it just really works and kind of complements each other. Yes, they have some pieces that they need to grow at, but I think 
as of right now, I, I wouldn't be panicking if I'm Dallas. I, I'm sitting pretty right now. Uh, let's kind of go into that Dallas Mavericks San Antonio Spurs game. Just to talk about uh, Victor Wembanyama. Yeah. Uh, very kind of a solid debut. Uh, Fifteen points, two assists, five rebounds. He also had a block. I mean, I've I've seen some of the highlight clips of him during the preseason. The blocks he had are insane. He's huge. He's he's so lanky. It's incredible. Like. There are there are things that you just see that a man that big being seven four shouldn't be able to do, like the way he runs and the way he dribbles the ball. It it's incredible. And I mean, there are there are some concerns that people are starting to see, like with his jump shot, his knees buckle in, and it really is scary. As far as like, I know he's young and he's able to do it, but big men usually have joint issues with their knees, their ankles. So you don't want to mess with him yet but that's a little concerning but just in general he was able to get two steals last night it was incredible to see like this guy just go up from three he was three from five from three just incredible a guy for seven foot four just pulling up because he can it's awesome it's he's a well-rounded player and it showed last night yeah he's gonna be he's gonna be incredible to watch throughout the season and just, I mean, he's one of the most hyped NBA prospects in a while. I'd probably say since Zion a couple years ago. Zion or like Anthony Wiggins or LeBron. Yeah. Like those guys that came out and were like the no question number one overall pick. He has, he has a, he has a lot of pressure on him right now. And I, I don't think that affected him at all. Yeah. I mean,. We'll see. We'll see how he continues through the rest of the season. Uh, let's move on to the Chicago Blackhawks. Kind of a rough last couple of games. Lost the Avalanche 4 nothing. Lost the Golden Knights 5-3. to And lost to the Bruins 3 to nothing. Didn't, yeah. didn't put up a lot of points. Only really scored goals against the Golden Knights. Speaking of that game, Connor Bedard scored his home debut goal, or his goal debut at home. So yeah, I I mean, but being two and five on the year in their last three games, being against all undefeated teams, the Bruins who are six and zero, the Knights who are seven and zero, the Avalanche who are six and zero, like you can't be mad about that. Like yeah, it's it kind of stinks to see that, but. I mean, it's not shocking. I mean, our goalie tandem is ranked 26th in the NHL, according to Bleacher Report. So versus the other teams where the Knights are ranked 9th, it's not even close. So I, 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 I wasn't shocked that we lost, but I was also very happy to see that we were able to put up a fight against the Knights. You know, like I'm happy we were able to score goals. Yeah, I mean, those are three of the tough, toughest teams, I think, right now in the NHL. Colorado, Vegas, Boston. I mean, those teams were very good last year. They're, again, very good this year. So, I mean, the Blackhawks, aren't, they're not going to – no one's really expecting a lot out of them. I think this I think this just year is see what Connor Bedard can do and what do you need to build around him with. Like, what is what does he need to grow? I think that's mainly what this year is going to be about is Connor Bedard, Connor Bedard, Connor Bedard, and what does he need? Because 
he's the new Chicago Wonder Kid. Everybody loves Connor. He, he's kind of come in and he's our new hero. So let's see if he can save Chicago. Yeah. So stats for the Blackhawks so far in the season. Three goals, Tyler Johnson, he's leading the team. And assists, Corey Perry and Seth Jones are leading the team with three assists each. And in points, Corey Perry with five. Connor Bedard is second in points with four. Uh, so far on the year, he has two goals and two assists. So I love that. I honestly do. Seeing your young guy already have a, an effect on the roster is huge. And, I mean, is that even really a question? He had an effect on every team he played for when he was younger, the national team with Canada. There was He always was able to make an effect. So I'm very happy that he's coming in and he's able to do it within the NHL. Yeah, so next two games for the Vegas Golden Knights before our next show. Friday at Vegas, going to be a very tough game, especially with Vegas at home. We did just lose to them 5-3, so, I mean, I'm not expecting a lot for them from that game. No, uh, yeah, like, they're at home, and or the Knights are at home, excuse me. So, yeah, I'm assuming we're going to lose, but but seeing that we put up a fight against them was a good sign. I just think it's going to be tough now that the Knights are at home. I, I, I really I don't know what to expect. If they don't, if they score a couple goals, I take that as a win in a sense. So, but the next game against Arizona. So Arizona is three and three. Their goalie tandem is ranked 16th according to Bleacher Report. That is 10 worse than the Knights, who were ranked sixth, while the Avalanche were third and the Bruins were second. Those were just the last three teams we played, and their goalie tandems were really good. So I think we have a chance. Now that there's an actual guy between the posts that we can score on, I think we can actually kind of flip that L into a W and continue going. And who knows? This might be a game where Connor Bedard just shines. Or Seth Jones shines like one of our one of our stars. I think might kind of come out and put up a good game. I I, I I'm very I'm very high hoped on the Arizona game because they're three and three. We're two and five. We're very similar as just in record wise. So I I'm looking forward to that game. I'm looking actually really excited. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. They gotta. They gotta put in some work if if they want to win some games. So, kind of. I like. I like what you said. Connor Bedard has a good chance to kind of go off in that game. Um, finally, like he's already done very well in the NHL. I think so far as a rookie, for sure. He's just gonna keep getting better and better and better and better, like throughout throughout where he goes. Yeah, he. This year is just a growing year. I think. He still has that chance of winning Rookie of the Year, no question. So I, I'm i very excited just because it's early in the year. So I'm just very curious because people keep saying he could potentially be 80 points for the entire season, if not more. But I, I don't know. I'm very, I'm very eager to see this happen. But um, we're going to go into our segment of the Blue Jay Minute. Our uh, team, the football team here at Elmhurst, came back and defeated Milliken in a thrilling ending, 29-27. to Bryce Gable led the team with seven tackles, and one of them being a forced fumble, which was scooped up by Itor Abinwana. 
who ran it back for a touchdown. Huge play. But everyone, everybody was talking about this one play, the point after attempt from Milliken that could have won him the game. But the kicker just kicked it straight into the line, and the Talon West picked up the ball and ran it back 90 yards and scored the touchdown and gave Elmers the victory. It was huge. But in addition to that game, freshman punter Nick Mullet earned the CCIW Special Teams Player of the Week honors. Great game for Mullet. He averaged 47.5 yards over four punts last Saturday, including a 64-yard punt. Let's just congratulate our football team again. Great win, and uh, let's keep it rolling, boys. But that's your Blue Jay Minute, and I think I think our team can bounce back even more. And But let's just go into MLB really quick, just with World Series and all of that that's been going on. So let's, yeah, let's start with the NL and ALCS review. Uh, very interesting league se- championship series. Texas and Arizona both won seven-game series. I mean, these both these series really came down to the wire. Texas won, like I said, 4-3 in their ALCS. Arizona won 4-3 in the NLCS. Came back from 3-2 down. Catel uh, Marte, I mean, he was a really story from... The NLCS, 12 hits, four doubles. I mean, he was on fire for the Diamondbacks and really helped them catapult their way to take down the Phillies, who, in my opinion, were on fire. And then their bats just, they kind of fell asleep after after game two. So it was kind of a shocking, shocking loss from the Phillies. I mean, Corbin Carroll, huge game seven. He was the entire offense for the Diamondbacks. Uh, Carroll had two RBIs and two runs in game seven. I mean, massive. And this kid's only a rookie. Yeah. If he doesn't win rookie of the year, I'd be shocked. He's going to be one of those guys we keep talking about and potentially maybe even gets one of those huge hundred million plus contracts down the line. Like, is he the next like Bryce Harper type of player? What do you think? I wouldn't go that far yet. Yet he doesn't. He's not Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper has no. I'm just a saying. Lot. That, no, I get what you're saying. Like yeah. hyped prospect. Yeah. He's very fast. He's a five tool player. He does have the pop. Not as much pop as Harper, but he's got a lot. What his greatest asset is is his contact and his speed. He's one of the fastest players in the MLB. He's so quick. I mean, the stolen bases he had. I, the one where he had against Ranger Suarez in the game, Ranger picked off. He was looking at him the entire time, and Corbin Carroll still got the stolen base. I mean, kid's so fast. Him and Cattell Marte are huge for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, uh, those, those are going to be like the pieces that they're going to build around for the next decade, most likely. I would, yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, Texas. Like I said, won 4-3 against the Houston Astros. Adelis Garcia, I mean, he was absolutely electric in the ALCS for Houston or for the Rangers. Uh, he had that one uh, home run, I believe it was game five, yeah. against uh, Brian Abreu. Uh, not Brian Abreu, but against one of the Astros pitchers. Pimped it. I mean, did everything. Bat-flipped. Pulled his jersey. I mean, he he was he, pumped. He was hyped for that home run. 
proceeded to get hit by a pitch in his next at bat by Brian Abreu. That's you got to expect it. I mean, when you're when you're pumped like that, you have a target on your back. Yeah, but I mean, it didn't matter in Game Seven. Two home runs, five RBIs for Garcia, drove home the win for the Rangers, really silenced the Astros. I mean, he wasn't the ALCS MVP for no reason. This is true. Like, it wasn't even a question. I think he's going to continue his momentum going into the World Series and just he was incredible all series. He's the only guy that I think, like, Sports Center and ESPN were really talking about just because of the amount of – like he had a huge effect on the Texans. Like he he or the Rangers, excuse me, but like he he I think is one of those guys that is going to be able to continue and handle that pressure cuz I mean two home runs and five RBIs in a game 7 in the, like in the ALCS, that's that's incredible. I don't think I remember the last time someone was able to do that. Oh, it was it was huge. It was huge for the Rangers. I mean, they really needed needed it with kind of Corey Seager struggling in the first little bit, and uh, Simeon not really hitting well so far. But Adios Garcia kind of set a record here. He had five home runs and 15 RBIs in the ALCS, most in a single playoff series Was it? with 15 yeah. ever. Set an MLB record. So very impressive from him. I That's, mean, he kind of had a breakout year last year. Is just continuing that that streak this year. Yeah, I mean, do you think he do you think he continues this into the World Series? Yeah, I mean, let's let's get into our World Series preview a little bit. Yeah. I'll kind of answer that question. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's start with Texas. Texas story. One of the storylines coming into this World Series never have won a World Series. They're one of a couple teams, uh, Padres, Brewers, Mariners, Rockies, and Rays are the other teams that have never won. Rangers, probably one of the closest ones out of those teams. The Rays as well have made it to a World Series. I mean, the rain. I remember this vividly as a, as a kid, watching the Rangers in the World Series back-to-back years, and they never got it done um, in 2011 and 2010. I still remember watching that 2011 World Series uh, against the Cardinals, that that infamous Game Six walk off from David Freeze. He hit the the triple to take it to extras, and then I think we all know the call. We will see you tomorrow night after David Freeze sends it into the St. Louis night to, I mean, basically kill off the Rangers in that series. So. In my opinion, Rangers have a great – they're probably my favorites in this series over the Diamondbacks. Their pitching is just very good. Um, like you said, Adios Garcia, very hot. I definitely think he can keep it up in the World Series for sure. Yeah, I I do I do vaguely remember the 2011 World Series like you're mentioning. I mean, you're just talking about what David Fries did. I, it kind of brings back memories, but I think Garcia, going off of that point, Garcia is – not a player you want to mess with when he's in the batter's box. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets walked over like five times within the series. If it if it goes the distance, I would not be surprised. I, I think he's just that type of player that teams are going to have to start coming up with a game plan around. Like, how do we even approach this guy? Because if he's going to come in the batter's box and he's going to hit like, like what he did in the ALCS game, 
two home runs and five RBIs, like that's a problem. You you can't be allowing runs like that in a game, especially in the World Series. So, I but also Corey Seager, he's starting to get hot after starting the ALC, um, ALCS slow. He was two for thirteen, but he finished six for eighteen with two home runs. So he's starting to pick it back up. I honestly I think if he's able to kind of keep going with it, he might also be another one of those guys that is a threat in the batter's box. Like, And you have to come up with a different game plan around. I, I, I'm I, honestly with you a little bit that I think I think the Rangers are probably my favorite to win. I, I would Obviously, I would love to see the Diamondbacks win just because of the underdog story, but we'll get into that. But the Rangers, they're, they're kind of a, a steamrolling right now. Yeah, I mean, let's keep going with Adelis Garcia. I mean, 1.293 OPS, I mean, that's unheard of. Like, staying around one is very good. Yeah. To be 1.2, like, close to 1.3, I mean, absolute stud. Honestly, if the Rangers win the World Series, hypothetically, he'd be the favorite to win. It would probably be because of Garcia. Yeah. I mean, it. yeah, I... I wouldn't think of anybody else besides Garcia. I mean, it could potentially be Corey Seager or Marcus Simeon, but those I mean, guys have to be doing something nuts yeah, to it, be considered. It depends on what happens in in the series, of course. A lot of baseball left. Still got to win four games. So, But to quickly interrupt you, the Thursday night football game, Bills are 17 to the Bucks 10 at half, uh, but we'll come back to that later in the show. Yeah, I mean – Pretty impressive. I mean, we kind of saw it coming with the Bills, but yeah, let's get back into the World Series here a little bit. I mean, another hitter that's this entire team really um, is hitting the ball well. No one other than like Marcus Simeon and Josh Josh Young, the very impressive rookie third baseman. It are everyone's else is hitting right now. Yeah, that's about. I mean, those are the two hitters that are cold, but. Like we said, if you can keep Marcus Simeon quiet, only hit 207 in the league championship series, that will be that will be huge for the Diamondbacks if they're able to to keep him quiet. Yeah, I honestly I was surprised to see that he was only hitting 207 when I was just reviewing over the statistics of that series. It's it's for a guy that caliber to only be doing that shocks me. Because what well, last year, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't he arguably a top 25 player in the league? Uh, I wouldn't. I believe he's around there. Yeah, he's like around I, that. He's number. one of the better. He's yeah. definitely one of the best second basemen in the MLB, if not the best. Yeah. So for for him to be quiet and for Diamondbacks to keep him quiet, I think it's going to be a challenge. But I mean, what we've seen with Arizona so far, it's doable. It's definitely doable. Yeah. I mean, he was one of their main hitters. In the regular season, I mean, in the regular season this year, he hit 276 with a 348 on base percentage and 826 OPS. So he was very good. Hit 29 home runs and 100 RBIs. So he's one of their their main guys. And so far this postseason, I mean, the entire postseason this year, he's hitting 192 with uh, two RBIs and 10 hits, no home runs. So for whatever reason, he's gone quiet when you 
really can't go quiet. But the rest of his team is picking up the pace for him, uh, for sure. Uh, on the pitching side for the Rangers, let's talk about that a little bit. And their main kind of a shock for me is Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery traded at the at the trade deadline from the New York Yankees. Kind of a kind of a shock trade. Or from St. Louis, my apologies, from St. Louis. Yeah. Um, kind of a shock trade for me. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, especially now seeing what he's been doing in the postseason, like he's undefeated in the postseason. Three wins, zero losses, two point one ERA. Disgusting. Like that's really good to be seeing that out of your main guy like a 1.2 whip that's incredible so i i i would love to see him keep going with this 2.1 era i think it's going to be a little bit of a challenge going against the rangers to maintain that but i mean how many games do you think he'll play in this series he'll get two starts you think so he'll get two starts he got two starts in the uh alcs i mean he only allowed Two earned runs and one of them was a home run. So yeah. only walked three guys and struck out ten yeah. in his two starts and fourteen innings pitched. That's impressive numbers. Yeah, he, he really shut down that Houston Astros team for sure. Yeah, I mean, come up with another question here. Do you think there might be a moment within the series that he comes out of the bullpen to pitch like an inning or two? Do you th- you think that might? have to be a game plan that the Diamondbacks have to pull out? Well, he did that in Game 7. He came out of the bullpen in Game 7. Was it seven. Jordan that came out? Yep. He okay. got Scherzer started Game 7, and they had uh, Drum Montgomery come in, uh, kind of finish the deal. Uh, Scherzer, I mean, kind of another storyline to go into the series. Can Scherzer, can Scherzer figure it out? Um, only he, he's had two starts, kind of important starts too for the Rangers. Um, in game three and in game seven, six point two innings pitched, and he's allowed seven runs. That's the most runs allowed by this Rangers pitching staff. So it's, do you trust Serger to start games still? Uh, I don't know. I really don't. I I wouldn't be honestly no going into this Rangers, going against this Rangers team who's been hot with the bats, especially Garcia, like. I, I'm a little nervous with that stat where you just mentioned. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in as like a mid-relief guy, comes in for a few innings, kind of does his thing, but I'd be nervous to put him out just inning one to see how far he goes. Like I, I'd be nervous, especially coming back late in the year. Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still Max Scherzer. I mean, oh, he's, one yeah. of the, he's one of the best, was one of the best pitchers. In one postseason history, he's one of the main reasons the Nationals won the World Series in 2019. Um, so him, Nathan Avaldi. Nathan Avaldi had a very good division series. Kind of struggled a bit. Had two starts. Gave up five earned runs against the Astros. Still struck out 14, only walked – or struck out 13, only walked four in the ALCS. He's one of their guys. I mean, he was able to shut them down in, I believe it was game two against the Astros. Kind of got hit a little bit in his next start. But, I mean, still still a very good piece that can shut down this Diamondbacks team. Yeah, I mean, if all three of those guys, including Max, if they are, they're hot and they're able to keep their ERA low, 
I, 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 I would not see a problem, or I wouldn't even see a question of Rangers w- winning. Like this, that would be basically a done deal if they they are able to keep the s- score low because their offense is is doing it. So, yeah, I, I think it all comes down to their pitching because their offensive game is, is good right now. Let's move on to Arizona. This is Arizona's second ever World Series. Their last appearance was in 2001, um, in which they beat the Yankees in seven games. That was, I mean, one of the more famous World Series of all time. Uh, You had Luis Gonzalez in Game 7 hit a walk-off single off Mariano Rivera to basically clinch the series for the Diamondbacks. I mean, that was Randy Johnson's team. This That Diamondbacks was basically the best team since since 2001, really, is this team. Uh, both, I mean, we didn't really talk about it for the Rangers. Both teams coming off 100 losses since 2021, and now they're in the World Series. I mean, we'll, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit later, kind of reflected against the White Sox a little bit. Um, they still suck. Yes, but... We'll talk about it in a little bit. Uh, this Diamondbacks team was a sixth seed coming into the playoffs. Absolutely no one expected them to be here. I didn't expect them to get to the World Series at all. I mean, six, it's a sixth seed versus a five seed in this World Series. Yeah, and I mean, we were a few weeks ago discussing, like, could the Cubs, like, outperform them? And it was close, but not close enough. But... This is a true underdog story if I've ever seen one for Arizona because they barely made it into the wild card, and now they're they're here. They were counted out. So, I mean, for just a low seed seeded World Series, like this is, I, I love to see it. Honestly, I I kind of love seeing the the big dogs not in it because this kind of shows like that anybody can win. This is not like oh. The Astros are in the World Series again, like because they just dominated the regular season, or the Braves are in it again because they have an awesome offense. Like no, like anybody can get hot, and that's what matters is when they get hot. And the Diamondbacks have been hot; they they've been winning. So, yeah, I mean, this is the first time in seven years since neither the Astros or Dodgers have been in the World Series. So it's definitely kind of a refresher of a World Series for sure. Let's kind of go into the keys for the Diamondbacks. Like I said, Cattell Marte had 12 hits, uh, four doubles, and a triple with three RBIs in the League Championship Series. His OPS was 987. That's very good. Gabriel Moreno, uh, another kind of young player for this Diamondbacks team. Uh, 296 average, eight hits, three RBIs. was pretty clutch for, for the team when they needed him. Like we said, Corbin Carroll, I mean, his average in the league championship series was basically pretty low, but was, I mean, able to do it in game seven for them. Alec Thomas uh, is playing very well. Uh, Mount Carmel prospect out of Chicago. He's leading the team in home runs this postseason with four. So, I mean, this is a very young and exciting team coming off hitting wise i mean it's if they can keep hitting going they oh, need yeah their offense it's very lackluster it doesn't have that giant pop 
that a lot of these other teams do, like the Rangers. But they did just beat the Phillies. They were able to get it done against the Phillies for sure. So it's if their offense can keep it going for sure. Yeah. Again, like that's what they have to keep it going, especially this is do or die. I mean, they're facing three really good starters within the Rangers organization. So, and if those three players are hot, I mean, don't be surprised if the Diamondbacks don't score. Like you're saying, like this this offense doesn't have a pop to it. Besides, like Corbin Carroll, who right now is their only true bat. I you just I think it's more just going to be a contact game for them. Just get balls in play and get guys on bas- on the bases and just try to get around all f- three bases and get to home. Like I, it's, I think that's what's going to have to be the game plan for Arizona going into this is just get the bat to the ball and get it in play. Yeah. Uh, let's kind of move on to their pitching staff a little bit. Main story of this pitching staff is Brandon Fat. I mean, he is kind of came out of nowhere, really. Had a got sent down three times during the regular season, had a 5.72 ERA in the regular season, and here he comes kind of kind of surprisingly into this postseason. He's had four starts, has an ERA under 3 at 2.7. Two starts in the league championship series where he only gave up two runs and ERA of 1.86. Struggling out 16 guys, especially, and only two walks. As a rookie, and he, I mean, he shut him down in Philadelphia of two. It's very impressive. It's incredible. I mean, the kid's only 25, and he's able to do this. That's, that's awesome. And this, I think we mentioned it earlier, this Diamondback seems very young. And if these players are able to produce within the series, like this could be one of those, these teams that grow into kind of like what the Braves organization looks like right now and could be like the main threat within the league year in and year out for the next like five years or so. So my eyes are kind of locked in on fat here. So, I'm very curious. What can he? Sh- do you think he's honestly could shut? Like when he starts, do you think he can shut down the Rangers? It's going to be interesting, for sure. I mean, he's pitched very well, um, but that's against more home run hitting teams. Uh, he shut down the Phillies, who thrive on power and hitting bombs. This Rangers team doesn't really do that. They can hit the ball around the park and get singles and hits when they need it. So we'll see. We'll see what he's able to do. It's I mean, they're gonna they're gonna need him if Zach Gallon keeps struggling like the way he is. Uh Zach Gallon in the uh NLCS went 0 for two, had a seven three six ERA, uh gave up nine runs, fourteen hits allowed. That I mean, that's the worst on the Diamondbacks roster pitching staff wise. And that's kind of a shock. I mean, Zach Gallon is the guy they need to lean on. He is their ace. He is the guy that is needs to eat innings for this team to keep the bullpen at play. And, I mean, he wasn't able to do that against the Phillies. They were able to survive and get to the World Series here now. So maybe he can step up his game and help because they're going to need it. They're going to need it for sure. 
this is this game is all hands on deck. Every player has a, a role within this organization. Even the guys that are on the bench right now, they they might pull them up to uh, to do what they do best, Wh- whatever that thing is. But I think this, yeah, like you were saying, like everybody needs to kind of show out and perform. Uh, according to MLB.com, uh, Zach Allen will probably start game one for the Diamondbacks. Nathan Avaldi is going to also start game one for the uh, Texas Rangers. So that'll be a, that'll be an interesting interesting uh, play. Let's see if Zach Allen can do it. They're gonna need to start off hot against this this Rangers team who have the home field advantage. First two games here. Yeah, so. I mean he was. I mean Zach Gallen, He was ranked second in the 2023 season with 17 wins and nine losses. So he is an efficient pitcher, like with a 3.4 ERA, like. And 220 Ks, like that's six in the MLB. So, or for the regular season. So, I think he can get it done. I think he's able. He has the skill set to go out there and shut a team out. But, like this said, there's this team's young. So, and not many of these guys have been in the series. So, are they going to be able to handle the pressure? We don't know. So. But I think Zach Allen has the ability to go out there and perform. Yeah, another another pitcher the Diamondbacks need to contribute is Merrill Kelly. Also struggled against the Phillies, two games, uh, had a four point two two ERA, gave up six hits, five earned runs. He did strike out fourteen guys, also walked six guys, so not great. Merrill Kelly, I mean, he had a very good regular season. Had ERA around 3.29, so pretty decent. Struck out 187 guys. So, I mean, Merrill Kelly was one their second ace, and they're going to need him as well, especially if Jordan Montgomery keeps pitching the way he's pitching. So, Merrill, he'll probably, Merrill Kelly will probably start game two for the Diamondbacks. They're going to need him. Yeah, definitely. I... I... It's it's a pleasant surprise seeing Kelly perform well. It's I, I like we, I just mentioned. I think everybody has to perform against the Rangers because I think just I I think the Rangers are going to win the series. I it's weird to say that I think the Rangers are going to win, but I want the Diamondbacks to win. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I I I kind of want the Rangers to win. I mean, this team it's just. It's a very likable team. They don't really have any players that people hate. Maybe Scherzer. But other than that, like, no one really hates either of these teams. No, not at all. I I, I honestly think the fans are going to kind of cheer on. And I think this is just going to be a World Series where everybody just wants to have a good game. And because I think if it was the Astros in the series, I think everybody would be rooting against the Astros. And I think if the Phillies were in it, I think maybe people would be rooting against the Phillies. I think it's just these are two teams that shouldn't be here in theory, and I think the fans are going to want a good, just a good World Series. Yeah, and I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but this is kind of a series for gives hope to basically every MLB fan base that if you had 100 losses the year before or two years ago, you can get to this spot 
I mean, you got to just play 162 games. Both these teams were in the 20s of potential to go odds to go to the World Series this year. I think the Rangers were 22nd and the Diamondbacks were like 26th. Yeah. So, no, like I said, no one expected them to be here for sure. No one. No, yeah. And I, like, that kind of just gives, I know, Chicago fans a little bit of hope hearing that, especially with the Cubs and then the Sox. I mean, they didn't perform well last year. Obviously, we both know that. I know the fans at home listening know that. But it's a great sign to see that anyone's able to win in this league. It's not just like you need pitching or you need batting. Like, you can have okay at both and still get it. Like, like Dawson, correct me if I'm wrong, but baseball is literally like when you're hot, you're hot, and you're probably going to win. This is true. Anyone can win at any time. I mean, this is shown. The two, two of the bottom seeds in this playoffs are in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. But we're getting close to the 9 o'clock time for our break. Tune in again in 20 minutes as we come back, and we're going to talk about more of NFL Week 8. Welcome back into J Sports Radio. I'm your host, Sean Conniff, with my co-host, Dawson Wells. It currently, the Thursday night football game is 24-10. to 10. The Bills are up at home. We're going to kick it off with week eight of the NFL, Minnesota at Green Bay. Minnesota are 3-4, and four, and they beat San Francisco at home on Monday night football. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, very impressive win, honestly. I thought San Francisco would kind of steamroll them. I mean, Minnesota hasn't looked great all year, and then, you know, they come out and beat one of the best teams in the league who are kind of slumping. Um, we'll talk about them in a little bit. Big divisional game, though, against Green Bay. Uh, Minnesota's at 3-4. and four. Green Bay is at 2-4, and four, so kind of a big game here. Jordan Addison tied for second in receiving touchdowns with six. He's kind of had an, a pretty good rookie year so far. Yeah, he's – I mean, I've said it week one of the show – I, he's my favorite to win rookie of the year. And I mean, obviously I don't, I'm sad that see uh, Justin Jefferson out right now, but for Jordan Addison to be stepping into this major role within the Minnesota offense, it's just showing why he is a great candidate to win. It, it's, it's showing really strong right now. Yeah. Minnesota here on a two game win streak. Uh, they have one of those wins is against the Chicago bears. But they've also beaten San Fran. So kind of an impressive win, like we said. Hawkinson is questionable in this game with a foot injury. So we'll see if he can if he can go. That'd be a huge loss if he couldn't. Yeah, I mean, it's that's sad to see that he's hurt with a foot injury. But, I mean, usually people with a questionable um, on the injury list usually play. Um, I usually have never seen somebody go from questionable to out. So just expect him to play. Yeah, let's move on to Green Bay here. Uh, started the season off 2-1 and one and are now on a three-game losing streak. The only teams that Green Bay have really beaten are the Bears and the Saints. I mean, not impressive wins in the slightest. No, and even their quarterback, Jordan Love, hasn't looked good either. He only has 1,200 passing yards, just over that. He's and he's leading the offense with the and where the offense is ranked 28th in the league. Not good at all. I mean, it's kind of karma in a sense that Green Bay had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back, and now they're kind of settling for eh. So 
as a Bears fan, I love to see it. The Packers are now kind of in the slumps, but it it hurts that because the Green Bay are in the slumps and the only two wins comes one from the Bears, that hurts even more. Yeah, it's kind of a shame. Uh, for injuries for Green Bay, Preston Smith, a linebacker, uh, sat out practice Thursday. Jair Alexander, a very important cornerback uh, for the Packers, missed Thursday's practice. He's questionable. And Jones, limited in Thursday's practice. He is also questionable. And Luke Musgrave, uh, with an ankle, did not practice on Thursday. So some four key pieces for that, uh, both on the defensive and offensive side for Green Bay. I mean, I think because of that and because of the, the streak both teams are going on, I think Minnesota wins this game. Oh, for sure. I think Minnesota winning – over the 49ers at home especially like was huge like the 49ers were at home like usually you don't go into a team's like stadium and come out winning especially against one of the teams we consider a Super Bowl contender right so that was a huge win I think they're going to keep this going and I yeah I agree with you I think Minnesota comes out on top all righty so let's move on to Jacksonville at the Pittsburgh Steelers both teams have a winning record here. Jacksonville sitting at five and two. Pittsburgh is at four and two. Uh, Jacksonville continues to pull away in this AFC South, which the only other teams here are three and three. So they already have a two-game lead in that division. I think they're the best team in the AFC South for sure. You think so? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a little disappointing seeing Calvin Ridley not perform as much as he's doing. But yeah, I mean. Trevor Lawrence is starting to really kind of look more comfortable in that pocket, and he he's using his Clemson teammate and obviously Jacksonville's teammate Etn. I mean, who got two touchdowns last week? That's huge. And Christian Kirk is the main guy, still leading the team in all wide receiver stats, receiving yards, targets, receptions, even touchdowns. So that's huge. But on to Pittsburgh. I mean, last week they beat the Rams, twenty-four to seventeen. And Najee Harris finally did something. Finally. Finally. I mean, the backup Warren was kind of the guy for a little bit, and Najee was kind of being written off in a sense. But last week, Najee kind of shocked the football community just in general, but also in fantasy, just because he hasn't done anything. He had 53 yards rushing and three catches for 15 yards and a touchdown. So... It's, I'm happy to see that for him. Yeah, I mean, an offense is finally starting to look good for Pittsburgh. I mean, there have been chance. Basically, there's been chance at Penguins games. There's been chance at Steelers games. I think there's even chance at, I think, a Phillies game as well of Fire Canada. Uh, Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator. He's kind of started to turn it around. The offense is starting to look a little bit better. And, I mean, the Pittsburgh defense is always solid. They have TJ Watt and Highsmith who – probably the best duo edge rushers in the league. Yeah, that's that's a good argument. I mean, the only other ones you could really consider would be Khalil Mack and Bosa in the Chargers. But, but yeah, TJ Watt and Highsmith, I, they're definitely in that argument. I, I don't see Pittsburgh coming out on top. Even though they're coming off of a win – against the Rams. I just think Jacksonville, their offense is starting to kind of click. ETN is getting really involved. Christian Kirk's looking good. Trevor Lawrence is getting more comfortable. I 
I think Jacksonville wins it, but I I do see the defense of Pittsburgh putting up a good fight. Yeah, I agree. I think the offense is just too strong in in Jacksonville, and they'll be able to take a a clear win in this one. Uh, let's move on to Cleveland at Seattle. Both teams here four and two. Uh, Cleveland defense playing pretty good. Had a lot of turnovers, caused a lot of havoc for Indianapolis, and they were able to win the game, uh, thirty nine to thirty eight. Seattle beat Arizona twenty to ten. Um, Seattle's kind of a kind of a sneaky sneaky good team. Uh, I'm just gonna go through some of their stats right now. Um, they're twelfth in points per game at nineteen point seven. They have a pretty good defense at thirteenth, uh, uh, allowing three hundred forty six point five yards per game. Seattle's kind of a sneaky good team, but I mean this Cleveland defense. Still first uh, ranked in terms of yards allowed. They are giving up quite of a lot of points against uh, giving up 19.2 points per game. So this is going to be an interesting game for sure. Yeah, and I mean, a key point in this Seahawks offense is Kenneth Walker. He's shocked a lot of people. We, we knew going into this year that he was going to be a good running back, but... For the year, he's 450 yards. He has six touchdowns. He's averaging 4.1 yards per carry. That's huge for a guy that no one really thought like or didn't really know what to expect. So I think this kind of, in a good way, shocks the NFL community. And I think he's he could be considered for a Pro Bowl this year. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I would agree with that. I mean, Deshaun Watson. I mean, this game is going to be interesting if, if Deshaun Watson can't play. Uh I think he didn't play last week, did he? No, he was hurt. Okay, so I mean they saw PJ Walker, so they've been they've been able to survive without Deshaun, but he continues to not be able to throw without pain. So, and that's that's very scary when you're paying a man millions and millions and millions of dollars. He was once the highest paid quarterback in the league. Now it's obviously been switched over to a few other quarterbacks, but you're still you traded for this guy, you gave up a lot of assets, and you paid this guy a lot of money, and for him not to be playing. I would be concerned right now because if he can't throw a ball without pain, what is ha- what is going on within his arm that we don't know? Yeah, who do you think is going to win this game, Sean? I think Seattle wins, no doubt. I-, I think Cleveland puts up a decent fight because of their defense, but I think Seattle will just, just kind of not even a question, just win it. I think... I think Kenneth Walker scores a few touchdowns. I think Geno Smith gets the ball going to DK Metcalf and other players. So I go with Seattle. Okay. Um, I mean, I I, I want to stay with Cleveland. I mean, they're kind of doing this without a lot of their key skies in, in Nick Chubb and Deshaun Watson. They're still figuring out ways to win games. I so. mean, in addition to guys that are out, Jerome Ford is also out this week. Cream Hunt is the main guy in the offense, or main back right now. There's Gibson, Pierce Gibson, excuse me. He did out-touch the ball than Clarell Hunt last week, but I think think that backfield's doing all right. But, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, Let's just go quickly through this next game here. Cincy at San Fran. Cincy's 3-3 coming off a bye. San Francisco is five and two. Uh, like we said, kind of a slumping San Francisco team here. Can't really get it going on offense. Have only been able to score seventeen points the last 
two weeks. So kind of interesting. I thought their offense was rolling. They looked very good. They beat that Cowboys team that also looked very good and kind of dominated them. But, I mean, we'll see what happens in this game. Um, Joe Burrow gets another week of rest off, and he's is he back? Is he back? Can he keep his pace going? No. You don't think? I don't. You I don't think, think he can? I, I think he looks good for a beginning of the game. But the rest of the game, he just kind of looks mediocre. He doesn't. I'm not just saying that because he's on your fantasy football team, Dawson. I'm more just saying that as general. He looks good for a little bit and then just looks eh for the rest of the game. So I think he's still dealing with that calf. I, I Even though we, we've kind of stopped talking about it, I still think it's lingering in a sense that like he's not fully 100%. It's just athletes know. You and I both know if you're somewhat hurt, you are not going to say anything. You want to play. You want to be on that field. You want to you wanna go help your team win. I think this is a, kind of the same situation in Joe Burrow is that he's not fully 100%, but he's just biting his tongue, and he's saying, I want to go play. So I think since he wins and Joe Burrow's back. And I think San Francisco wins handily. I think, since he, I think San Francisco blows out Cincinnati. Not even a question. I think CMC, I mean, we have a stat here. He has a 16-game touchdown streak. That's insane. I I think CMC continues that. I think Brock Purdy is if he's is he out this week because of the concussion? Do you know? Uh, I believe he's questionable. Okay, so I I think it might be Sam Darnold who's the backup down there. So if Sam Darnold comes in, I wouldn't be surprised if he passes to George Kittle a lot, Brandon Ayuk a lot. Just I think San Francisco wins by like two touchdowns i think Mm. they blow out cincinnati who's a better team Bengals or minnesota what do you mean just in general Mm -hmm. that's that's a hard one because uh i want to say minnesota really i think the offense that right now i think kirk cousins is better than joe burrow and he's showing it with (laughs) little to no weapons and joe burrow has Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and has been kind of eh. When you compare it to a few seasons ago where Joe Burrow was, he's definitely not to those standards. And Kirk Cousins has always been kind of eh. And now Kirk Cousins is doing really good without the number one wide receiver in the league. I'm going Minnesota just because of that. Okay, let's get through these two next two games pretty quick so we can discuss that more with our QB tier list for sure. Because that's some so wild statement that you just made. It's a take that I think many people are going to have. I, I I will leave this to the tier list, but I think many people would agree with me that Joe Burrow has been okay. He has not been to his standards of excellence. No, but you said you said Kirk Cousins was a better quarterback than Joe Burrow in this year. Yes, because this tier list is going to go off of this year, and right now Kirk Cousins is better than Joe Burrow, period. But going on to Sunday Night Football, Chicago at L.A. Chargers. Chicago is fourth in the NFC North, which that hurts as a Bears fan. They're 2-5 and five and won the last week game against the Raiders, 30-12. to 12. I mean, Dawson and I went to that game. It was a good game, especially for that being your first NFL game. That was awesome to kind of experience that with you and 
Devonta Foreman had a huge, huge game. 16 carries, 89 yards, and two touchdowns. Receiving three receptions, 31 yards, and a touchdown. Three touchdowns on a day for a guy who's been hurt for the majority of this year to now have the main role and shined. I love to see it. I mean, Tyson Bagnett, that was his debut. Looks solid. I mean, what are your thoughts on Tyson right now? Uh, he's looked pretty good. I mean, he diced up that Raiders defense very well. Um, was able to just control the offense, and it's kind of shocking that we haven't seen some of those play calls for Justin Fields, or he Justin Fields hasn't really been able to do that, what he's been able to do. Um, speaking of Fields, he is out for this game, so we'll see if they're able to do anything in particular with Tyson. I mean, it's going to be an interesting, interesting game for sure. Um, the Chargers have lost their last two games. They're two and four. They uh, lost to the Cowboys twenty to seventeen and lost to the Chiefs thirty-one to seventeen. So those are two tough, tough games. Um, re- leading rusher for the Chargers is Joshua Kelly and not Austin Eckler, which is surprising. That, yeah, I mean, last week that that was surprising to see that. I mean, like, like for your backup running back who's been lackluster all year to then out rush your star guy who's I would you okay if I know we'll get to a running back tier list but would you agree that Austin Eckler is a top five running back in the NFL mm. just not off last this, last year let's just go off of last year this year yes. is a different story yes last year, yes. okay so to have a guy Joshua Kelly that has kind of been irrelevant in his entire NFL career. I wouldn't say he always comes in and seems when he needs to and Austin when Austin Eckler gets hurt or can't play and he does a job. I mean there's a reason they kept him around. He does keep the job done, but I mean but the fact that Austin Eckler is back and Joshua Kelly shouldn't really need to fill a role but led the team in rushing and had a touchdown surprises me. Yeah, this will be an interesting game for sure. Um I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. I think the Bears can can definitely keep up with this Chargers team who's two and four. I mean we both have the same amount of wins, so if the Bears can get a win here, I mean it kinda starts turning the season around for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think we we saw it yesterday or at the game, like the Bears had three interceptions. That defense looked good. Eberflus kind of – I don't know what he did differently because he's the one pl- calling those plays on that defense. It, it was A.J. McCarron and Brian Hoyer. This is true. They're now going against Justin Herbert, who is a way better quarterback. This is true, but, I mean, he did throw two interceptions last week. So he's not out of the blue yet. Like, I, I think the Bears are going to def- – I think the Bears could get an interception against Herbert for sure. I, I, I don't see – a question in that, but I, I do I can see this being a tough matchup though. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I think I think the Bears can hopefully get it done. Um we'll see. Let's uh move into Monday night football here again uh with the Las Vegas Raiders against the Detroit Lions. Uh Las Vegas is three and four. Like we just said they did lose to the Bears last week, thirty one to twelve. Offense needs Jimmy G back. It's it's looked rough. Like we said, they got picked off three times. Two coming from Brian Hoyer, and he got pulled. Uh, defense for the the Raiders have looked okay, but again, they just got tore up by Tyson Bagnett. Looks look to bounce back in Detroit for sure. Um, they are one and three on the road though. Yeah, I 
yeah, I don't know what to feel for this Raiders offense because they took out their best running back in Josh Jacobs, I believe, early in the fourth quarter, if not the end of the third. Like, they just straight up pulled him out. And then they had they kept Devontae Adams on that field, yeah. And I, I'm surprised. Like, they kept their best wide receiver, but they took out their best running back. So I don't know what's going through the mindset of that offense coordinator and head coach because that doesn't make sense. Who in their right mind would do that? You, no one, unless you, like, can't think straight. Because you, that must have been a person panicking. Because why in the hell would you do that? I don't know. It, that could, I don't know. It, it was scary. It's scary if I'm a Raiders fan to see that, that you're pulling guys that could help you win a game. Yeah. Uh, let's go into Detroit a little bit, and then we're going to get to our QB tier list here. Detroit's first in the NFC North uh, at 5-2. and two. Kind of a shock loss, blowout loss to the Ravens. Um, Jameer Gibbs put up his first career touchdown. Goff threw it 53 times. Only 33 of those passes were caught. I mean, it's kind of a shock loss for sure. I didn't think they would get blown out that badly for sure. I thought they'd put up more of a fight. Yeah, I totally agree. I I would have thought the Lions were actually going to win that game. Like, before the game even started, I, I actually thought the Lions were favored to win. But to be blown out like that, that was disgusting to watch. Yeah, I mean, they were we put them as one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah. So and then they go out and can only put up six points against the Ravens. Kind of shocking. Kind of shocking for sure. I mean, good to see Gibbs get his first career touchdown. I love to see it. I mean, Goff threw fifty three times, but only connected for thirty three of those passes. That's just rough. I don't know. I I don't even know how to feel here. I think Detroit should dominate this game and plow through Las Vegas, but what are you going here? I think Detroit should win. Yeah. It shouldn't be even close. Yeah. But that kind of wraps up the highlighted games for Dawson and I, and we're going to go into our quarterback tier list here. So we're going through all 32 quarterbacks, maybe some backups in here as well. We're going to kind of go from low end to the best. So, we're going to start at the low end here. Who do uh, you got? Dude, I, I think we should start with the You want to start S-tier. with the top? Yeah, let's start with S tier. Um, the best tier, really, probably are like MVP kind of guys for sure. Brock Purdy. You want to put Brock Purdy up there? I think, okay, he shouldn't be S tier, but he should definitely be up there. But, but no, but for real, S tier, no question, it should be Patrick Mahomes. It should be probably Josh Allen, even though I'm not a – Big fan of that, but he should probably be up there. Lamar Jackson. And honestly, I would leave it at those three. I would agree with Lamar. I think Lamar had a very, very good game uh, last week, especially against Detroit. Um, Lamar on the year has uh, 1,610 passing yards. He has eight touchdowns and three interceptions. But he's also a very mobile quarterback. He has uh, 363 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, Lamar's a pretty good choice for that specifically. 
Josh Allen, I I don't know. I feel like there's he's a very good quarterback. I don't know if he's if he's S tier though, especially th- if we're just ranking this season so far. No, yeah, I I I see where you're coming from. I I just think Josh Allen, he's third in the NFL with completions with 174. He's he's just under Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins, who's one and two. So I think that's just because he's able to have so many completions. He's got to be up there. Mind you, he does have a lot of attempts there, but the amount of attempts are less than Kirk Cousins and Patrick Mahomes. He has 246 attempts. So I just think he's in that window of worst on the S tier, but highest on the A tier. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he's kind of in that weird, weird window. He also has seven interceptions so far. That's true. Um, he also has one tonight as well. So, I mean, I mean, he's probably, I think that puts him at eight now. But in all fairness, Patrick Mahomes does have six. So, like, it's only two different. So, I, I, I think it's just hard to deal with Josh Allen. It's just because some games he can look amazing, and then some games he just, like tonight, looked mediocre. Yeah, I think, I mean, I wouldn't say mediocre. He's done for 309 yards. Is it 309? And he has two touchdowns. Okay, the last so. time I checked, it was low 200. So, okay, I, I can take that statement back. But, I yeah, I think he's in that weird window. So what do you want to do with Tua? Because I think he Tua should belong in that S tier, especially for this season. I would put him higher than Josh Allen, but lower than Lamar. I think Lamar and Tua are like flip flop, okay. very easy flip flop. I just, I just think Tua has been kind of getting carried a lot by Tariq Cohen, just because Tariq Cohen gets that ball and he's gone, which is kind of boosting his stats for Tua. But I mean, Tua has to get him the ball to do that. So. It's kind of a trade-off. So yeah, Tua right now leads the league in passing yards with yeah. 2,092. He also has 15 touchdowns, which I believe is tied for second in the NFL. So he's in the top two in major passing categories. Yeah, and I honestly, like, I keep saying the same same name on these stats. Let's put Kirk Cousins in there. Kirk Cousins has second in completions. He's second in yards passing. He's second, I believe, in touchdowns. If if I'm not if I'm if not mistaken, we're just sticking with uh, before Thursday night football. He's, he's first. He's first. So I think right now, Kirk Cousins should be on that S tier. I think he should be. If you, go, I think he's very similar to Josh Allen. I mean, I would agree, but I I. I mean, I'm, I would be okay if you put Josh Allen and Kirk Cousins A. I think okay. those two should be in the same list. They should be the same level. Yeah. So I'm cool with if you go A, A there with Josh Allen and Kirk Cousins because I think they still have a lot to prove. Those two do have good weapons around them, which do help. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so far, our top three, I think I think I like sticking with this top three for sure. Um, we have one, Patrick Mahomes, two, Kind of 2-3, uh, Lamar Jackson, Tua, those two can be pretty interchangeable, according to us. Um, and then in A, kind of borderline uh, top tier, we have Josh Allen and Kirk Cousins. And I honestly think you could add 
Brock Purdy to that. I think Brock Purdy is kind of in this weird window of a, B, a and B. I think he's low end A tier, and I think he's high end B tier. So, I mean, Brock Purdy this year, he's he only has 131 um, completions, but he he's tied with Justin Fields, Jared Goff, and Herbert with touchdowns. So, with 11. So I think. I think he should be in that list. It's it's tough for me for Brock Purdy because he has so many weapons on that team and CMC, Debo, Kittle. He has a lot of just short dump-offs, and then they get, like, CMC has a short dump-off that he rips off for 80 yards. That's fair, and I think the same argument could be said about Tua, but, I mean, Tua actually has to throw the ball past the offensive line to get yardage. So I, I do see where you're coming from. So that's kind of where I'm like, he shouldn't be in C tier. He should not be in the bottom two. I think he's mid to just above mid. Well, I believe Tua leads the league in uh, yards per attempt as well. So, I mean, that kind of – or it's either yards per attempt or air yards. It's one of those two. I can't remember which one it is. Yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy before Thursday Night Football, he's ranked ninth in total passing yards with 1,668. I mean, he's right behind, surprisingly, Sam Howell. And, like, that's kind of surprising. And, and another name that surprises me a little bit more is Matthew Stafford, who's sitting in fourth. So I, I, I don't want to put Brock Purdy too far down the list. So I don't know. Would you agree with that? Low A, high B? We can kind of flip him around once we add more quarterbacks into that. Yeah, I mean – it's tough. It's tough. I think he's he could be. I think he should be in high B, but we're gonna add more quarterbacks as we go along, so it might push him down. Yeah. Um, a quarterback I kind of want to throw in this this A tier, um, Matthew Stafford. Um, he's kind of having a sneaky good season. One thousand nine hundred and eight rushing yards or passing yards. He does have seven touched only seven touchdowns and six interceptions. But I mean, he's throwing the ball and he's getting getting a lot of yards from it. Yeah. So I, I think w- he should be an A. You th- mm, that one's ooh. I would. It's kind of similar to Brock Purdy. I think yeah. I but I'm looking at a player right now on the list that Jalen Hurts should not be anything lower than A. Mm. I, I, in my opinion, Jalen Hurts, he's been lackluster again, but he's seventh. In league passing, with a hundred or one thousand eight hundred and twenty-one, I, I I don't. He's the former MVP. He was the MVP last year, so I don't see why you put him all the way down the list. Like he's a good player. He he only has two real weapons in AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. Yes, he goes to Dallas Goddard a little bit, but that's it. Those guys are not compared to Jalen Waddle, Tyree Cohen. You know, and not compared to Brock Purdy, who has, like you said, Debo, Brandon, Kittle, so on. So I think he should be A-list. Well, if you're going to put Jalen Hurts A, I think we also need to put Jared Goff in A. Oh, that, I don't even have an argument with that. That's I'm okay with that. Because Jared Goff, he has better passing yards, more touchdowns, less interceptions. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I think A looks good right now and i think b 
to kind of kick it off there. Like we have Matthew Stafford down there right now, but honestly, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has been a good player so far this year. I mean, we see it tonight. Yes, they only have 10 points on the board, but he's looked solid. He's looked comfortable within this organization. I think he's looked decent. I think they're... I think B might be a little high. He's kind of like one of those borderline players. Yeah, definitely. I think we're kind of forgetting about Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow should be in B. I agree. I, I, I would put that. I don't know where. I think B is very mixed as far as performance. So like one to three with Baker, Matthew, and um, Mayfield. I think they're all interchangeable in a sense. So I would almost say tied for first and B list. <laughs> yeah. Um, another quarterback I think should go in there is, is Derek Carr. Yeah. Um, he's having a pretty good season, 1,600 passing yards. Does have six touchdowns and four interceptions. But, I mean, he's been – he's kind of turned that Saints team around and looked decent. They've had some struggles for sure. I mean, he's definitely better than Jameis Winston. Like, it's an instant upgrade. I mean, Jameis Winston, we know last year was rough watching him play that with that offense. Derek Carr kind of stepped in, and it, it kind of changed the the atmosphere a little bit. But good on him, and he's 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 very solid. And I think that next guy that we really should start talking about is Dak Prescott. I don't think he's been incredible this year, but I also don't think he's been that bad. He's kind of just there, you know. Like he's just he's a good quarterback. He's low end B, high end C. I would put him in C. That's fair. He's, I, I'm he's okay with that. He's 21st in in passing yards. He's, I mean, he's looked decent. Hasn't looked great. Yeah. I mean, he's 24th in passing touchdowns. So I mean, he's been pretty, pretty average. I would say only 85 rushing yards. I mean, a quarterback that I think has probably done. There's a lot of quarterbacks I think that should go above him. There's a there's so many. One, I think honestly it's Geno Smith. Yeah, I think that's I would agree. Honestly, I would agree. Like Geno Smith has been steady this year. Last year it was good to see that he was really good, but I think Geno Smith has just kind of been steady with um Seahawks and has been a good quarterback within that organization. It's kind of like a in a sense a a less ver, like a lesser version of prime Russell Wilson, you know? So I think Geno Smith fits in there. I think Justin Herbert fits in that category. I think uh, who would be a good – I mean, he got hurt, but, like, Anthony Richardson. I don't want to put him bottom of the list because he's been hurt. Like, in the first few weeks of him playing, he looked good. Like, same with C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud should be, like, pretty high on the list. I think C.J. Stroud should probably be above Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, you, wow, that's a take. He he didn't throw an interception until – I know he broke the record. I don't know exactly what the, the number is, but he only has still that one interception. That's incredible. He has nine touchdowns. I mean, he should be high on this list. And 1,600 passing yards, like that's right under Brock Purdy. He's ranked 10th in the NFL right now. So he's, he's higher in passing yards than Lamar Jackson. So, yeah, I'm cool with putting C.J. Stroud right right there. Um, uh, in in the B tier, yeah, and, in the B tier. And just correct. so people, uh, the listeners know, Geno Smith, Justin Herbert, Dak, Anthony Richardson. I think we're gonna put them in the C tier. Yeah, and I I would honestly I'd add Trevor Lawrence within that. I think Trevor Lawrence has been he's been okay this year. I, he's starting to come back a little bit, but as of this moment, 
I think C is where he should be. Now, there's a, a QB I kind of want to highlight, and that's Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell should be in the B tier. He is eighth in the league in passing yards. He has nine touchdowns, and he's the QB that's getting sacked the most. So his O-line is not helping him, and he's still getting the job done. Yeah, I I think, again, like there's many players within this list that are in that weird window where they could be like the the level higher or the level lower, right? And I think he's low end B or high end C. And we we're putting him low end B right now. But I think the next guy we should talk about for low end C is Ritter. Is Desmond Ritter with the Falcons. He's he's been okay. He's been starting to pick it up a little bit. I mean, he's 12th ranked with 1600 passing yards. Like for a guy who doesn't really have weapons besides Bijan Robinson, I mean, think about it. Kyle Pitts does not get involved at all in this offense. Drake London is starting to get into involved. So, I don't know. I, I, I just kind of like him. I think he's just kind of a he's kind of a underdog here. Yeah, and he doesn't – they don't really throw the ball with him very much. Um, let's go kind of quick through our DT tier here. Daniel Jones – I think should be in there. Maybe I actually Daniel Jones F. Yeah, he sucks. Daniel Jones and Mac. I'm sorry. Daniel Jones. Let's do let's do both of the Joneses and Mac Jones and F as well. Yes, and Jordan Love. I would put Jordan Love just because he's, he's a, a Green Bay Packer. Yep, yep. Agreed. Uh, honestly, Jimmy I, Garoppolo and F. I would put him in D. D. I okay. would put him in D just because he has when he's been there, he's been able to get the ball to Myers, and he's been able to somewhat incorporate De, um, DeAndre Adams. Devontae Adams, excuse me. So I, I think he's high, high in D. But if we're going to go down the F list, Russell Wilson. Mm, I don't know about F. I would probably say high D. High D, okay. Yeah, same with Deshaun. I think Garoppolo, Wilson, and Watson are kind of interchangeable. So, But, like, on the D list, I think Zach Wilson's been kind of coming back this year a little bit. Yeah, he's close to C. He's definitely close to see Kenny Pickett. Kenny I think Pickett. I, I think he's F. Yeah, F. he's not good. Bryce Young, he, we, from what we've F. seen, he's been F, but he's hurt, so it's been up in the air. Tannehill F for sure. Oh, for sure. Get him out of Tennessee. He should not even be there. And obviously the last guy that really stands out to me is our quarterback in the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields. It's sad to say, but I think he's D or F. I mean, I would say D. I, I think that's the lowest I would go personally. I think he's kind of high-end D, but he has his moments where he's definitely a C player. So I, that's where I think he should he should land. Yeah, let's just I'm going to go down the list real quick, and then we're going to say goodnight to y'all. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Tua in the S tier. Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins, Jalen Hurts, Jared Goff, Brock Purdy in our, B, our A tier. Our B tier includes Joe Burrow, C.J. Stroud, Matthew Stafford, Baker Mayfield, David Derek Carr, Sam Howell, Geno Smith, Herbert, Dak, A.R., T-Law, and Ritter are in our C tier. Our D tier is Russell Wilson, Garoppolo, Watson, Wilson, and Fields in our D tier. And our F is the two Joneses, Jordan Love, Kenny Pickett, Bryce Young, and Tannehill. Yeah, I think that list looks... Really good on our end. I, I think most fans at home can agree with us on that. 
But as we get towards the 10 o'clock time, we appreciate you guys listening to J Sports Radio on WRSC. This is your host, Sean Conniff, with my co-host, Austin Wells. We wish you guys a good night.